When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It was a monumentous moment for me, but I didn't know where it was going to go. So I created the group, told everyone about it. And I mean, within days, we had hundreds, hundreds and hundreds of women. Hello, everyone. I'm here today with Danielle Desir, the creator of the award-winning affordable travel finance blog and podcast, The Thought Card. Her content is perfect for anyone looking to travel more, pay off debt, or build wealth. And as if that's not impressive enough, Danielle is also the founder of WOC Podcasters, an inclusive community helping women of color reach their podcasting goals through resource sharing, mentorship, and networking. So welcome, Danielle. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you, Latasha. I'm super excited. I actually listen to your show all the time. So this is like, yay, it's a very exciting moment for me. Oh my gosh, that's exciting for me. I've I've been a part of the Facebook group for pretty much since I think it started and I've been listening to your show as well. So, and I love travel. So I'm excited to pick your brain a little bit. Yes. So yes, let's do it. Let's do yeah. it. Yeah. So you have such an impressive list of accomplishments and things that you do, but can we start just by talking a little bit about what inspired you to start the thought card? Yeah, absolutely. So for me, I've always had a passion for money and travel. I started traveling at a really young age. I would spend every summer with my grandparents in Haiti. And that really fueled my travel, learning a different language, really connecting with people who, you know, have a different culture than me. So I've been traveling for a really long time. But the thing about traveling to Haiti all the time was that that was the only place I traveled to. So when I was in college, that was a time when a lot of people were going on spring break and they had, you know, the finances to go to places like Puerto Rico and Cancun. And here I am going to the same place all the time. So I I pledged and I said to myself, you know what, I really want to be able to go to more places. And for me, finances has always been a very important part in making that happen. So I found just really creative ways as I, you know, in college and grad school. And then when I got a job, I said, you know what, I'm going to start saving for this big trip to France. And going to Paris was my first international trip outside of going to Haiti every summer. And I, I think for me, once I made that happen, that just like opened, just opened the world up. And um, yeah, so that's kind of the beginning of like, why I started the blog and you know a lot of blogs they talk about travel and that's wonderful but I don't think many people talk about the financial aspect that finance lends because if someone's trying to sell you the idea that travel is free like that's not true there's plenty (laughs) of ways to travel cheaply and inexpensively but at the end of the day you still need money to travel and for me, travel is important, but I also want to maintain my lifestyle. I also want to, you know, I'll have other financial goals as well. So it's not only about travel, but how can you infuse travel into your everyday lifestyle as well? I love that. Yeah, that's so important. I feel like, I feel like that's just not talked about enough where, you know, a lot of people nowadays with the internet are like, you know, just get up and go and just do it. And I think that's a great message, (laughs) but then there's like the, the reality kind of sets in of 
okay, but how do I actually make this happen? So I love that your show is all about affordable travel. Do you have any like favorite travel hacks or tips for traveling affordably? Yeah. So for me, I'm obsessed with cheap flights. So Mm. as long as I can get to a destination, that for me, like, I just feel on top of the world when I get a deal uh, and especially a deal when I know that going to Europe for $260 is equivalent (laughs) to like going to LA from New York City, you know? So, so for me, I really try to gamify it. And for me, I found a lot of value in finding cheap flights and I can share a couple of resources with you and these are free. So you could go to secretflying.com. You can go to the flight deal thriftytraveler.com also has all these flight deals that you can sign up for their newsletters and they'll just send you the you know the flights that they find every day and literally that's how i've been able to stretch my money further and been able to go to places like norway for 260 i've been able to go to sweden for 260 and it's not impossible it's so funny like i just found a flight deal to go to madrid but the dates don't work but it's literally like 200 less you know less than 300 dollars so for me, the flight deal has been the best way and the easiest way for me to be able to afford to travel more. Yeah, that's that's awesome. Oh my gosh, I can't I not even imagine a two hundred and sixty dollar flight to Europe. I pay that. I pay more than that to get to LA yes, <laughs> from Detroit. It's, you know, no, it's really true. And like the flight deal, I think is more of like the tactical aspect of actually putting into action. But before we even like jump into flight deals, you still need the cash, right? Mm -hmm. To be able to buy that flight. So I would say from the very beginning, open up a bank account. Um, I prefer online banks because there's no fees. The ATM fees are usually minimal. So open up a free bank account, a checking account or savings account and give it a nickname. And I like to either call it travel fund or vacay with Bay or vacay Mm -hmm. with my best friends, like make it something personal and just routinely save money in that bank account. And for me, I like to just, as soon as I know I'm getting income, that just gets direct deposited into that bank account so that I don't have to think about it. I'm always saving for travel and I really prioritize travel by making it similar to a bill. Like if you have to pay rent, if you have to pay mortgage, I have to pay myself to go on this trip. So that's Mm -hmm. kind of like how I think about it. And you'll because you have a travel fund and because you're saving consistently when you see those flight deals it's a no-brainer you're like okay great this flight deal is amazing i have the money in my bank account and you know i could just go ahead and go so for me i think having a bank account saving routinely and also coupling that with the flight deals is a really great way to see more of the world Hmm. Yeah, that's such a great tip. I I think it's just kind of like a mindset shift. Like you said, like if you want to make travel a priority, you you make time and you make money for things that are important to you. And so, like you said, making it, you know, like a bill, just like another thing that you're saving for is such a smart idea. I love that. Yeah, for me, literally, because if I'm not really that great with, you know, the manual approach to saving. So as much as automation that I could do, that just helps me to know that I am hitting my goals. And again, like I don't want to miss out on an opportunity. So having a travel fund has really, really helped me to just capitalize. As long as I have the time and availability, the money is usually there, which makes it so much more affordable for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, you touched on time a little bit. Can we talk about that? How do you have time to travel? Yeah. So I work full time as well as running my blog and podcast and all the other things. Because that's (laughs) not enough. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. So I think for me, what I really like to do, I love to travel in the winter time and as well as in the fall and spring. So really the off seasons, because for me, like in the summertime, I want to be home. Like if the weather is nice, I live in Connecticut. Mm -hmm. So we're usually in the cold all the time. So I really want to enjoy summer home. And I've also found that during the winter time, the flights are so much cheaper. And even like, if you want to go to the Caribbean, if you want to go around September, October, it's kind of like quote unquote hurricane season. So things are so much cheaper when you go on the off season. So I kind of coupled that with holidays as well. So for example, my favorite time to travel, and I'm always looking for travel deals, is around Martin Luther King weekend. So I'm always looking to see, can I add a couple days before the before the holiday, a couple days after so I can take advantage and always having the weekends is like really great as well. So Martin Luther King weekend is a great time to find travel deals as well as Valentine's Day weekend. And when I'm typically searching for flights and, and trying to plan out my trips, I'm looking between six to nine months in advance. And because it's so far in advance, I highly recommend getting your trip protection because sometimes things change, especially when you're going so far out. So right now I'm looking at flights in January. I'm looking at flights in February. And um, November is also a really good time, like Thanksgiving. But of course, like it, it's more expensive the closer you get to Thanksgiving. But if you're looking now or, you know, in a couple months, you'll find really, really, really great deals if you're looking that far ahead. That's great. Great advice. Yeah, it's it's crazy how much just, you know, taking an extra day or two off, um, if you can plan it around a weekend or especially a long weekend, like you can get some good exploring in in four days. Yeah, for sure. Especially like if you're in Europe, there's so much that you can do once you actually get to a destination. So I usually say if you want to go to Europe, find the cheapest flight to anywhere in Europe. Mm -hmm. And then you can get a very, very cheap flight. You can even get a a train um, when you're in Europe as well. So there are a lot, a lot of, lot of options. Yeah. Yeah. It's so easy to to get around with public transportation in Europe. We did Paris to London, the train. It's two hours. Yes. It's so quick. It's amazing. And then from Paris to Brussels is like an hour Uh and a half. And then, you know, to go to Amsterdam is another two hours. So it's, it gets so much easier Yeah, Um, yeah, for sure. But for me, I've also done a lot of like weekend trips as well. For example, if I'm looking for just like a quick getaway, I might just go to Chicago for the weekend. So I leave after work, maybe Friday around six, seven o'clock. I get there, sleep, wake up in the morning, Saturday morning. I'm hitting all the sites that I can see. And then, you know, Sunday evening, I'm heading back home. You have two full days of exploration. So you could fit a lot in a little bit of time. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, let me know if you ever uh, make it to Detroit. (laughs) You want to do a weekend in Detroit. Yes, yes, yes. So travel can be such a visual experience. I feel like a lot of travel creators tend to go like the YouTube route or really putting a ton of focus into something like Instagram. Why did you focus on blogging and podcasting? Yes. So for me, I focus really on providing my audience information and providing the information that's not necessarily readily available. Um, So for example, like how much does a trip to Iceland cost? You know, 
it's hard because when you're trying to budget for a trip, you might have, you know, you might have a, you know, a couple hundred dollars saved up because you've just been routinely saving, but is that enough to get you the trip of where you're going to go? Maybe, maybe not. So for me, providing long form content has been the most effective way because I'm able to provide all the information that I number one, have researched or have lived through or have experienced. And I feel like that's not possible through visual like Instagram or something like that. Instagram is more short form content, Mm -hmm. but also I decided to do my podcast because I wanted to kind of like get out of the writing mode because I'm not necessarily a fast writer. So it just takes me a long time to craft these thousand words, 2000 word articles, but I can more readily share my ideas via podcast. And I think with the podcast, people are able to connect with me a lot faster. They hear my quirkiness and my inflection in my voice. So I'm able to provide information in a timely manner. And what I've been doing is that when I go on my trips, at the end of my trip, while I'm still at the destination, I'll just do a recap. And I, you know, I'm excited and I'm just sharing all this information, which it will take me maybe weeks or maybe months to put on a blog because, you know, it's so much more curated than the podcast, I think. Right, right. Yeah. And, and Another thing that I love about the podcast, too, is you talk to a lot of other people. You have guests on your show pretty regularly, right? Yes, 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 yes. And that was intentional because although I have certain things that I do to help me afford to travel, I wanted to talk to other travelers or other people who have financial success stories so that they can share with you know, my audience and me their insights so that I can try different things. So I think for me, it's like, they're kind of mentoring me by having, by having them on the show, I get to learn new things and share new ideas and challenge, you know, challenge some of the perspectives that I had. Like, for example, I just had, I just had um, Nadine White on the show and she focuses on affordable luxury travel. And Mm. I've actually never really done that. Maybe a couple of things here or there, but I learned so much and I think I've converted to a little bit more luxury now. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, you learn so much by just like talking to someone or interviewing them. um, You learn a lot in a short period of time. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. And, and going kind of into the business of podcasting, if you will, you know, a lot of people who listen to my show and are working on starting a podcast of their own, that's one of the big questions I get is guest recruitment. So, you know, you've talked to amazing people on your show. How do you recommend new podcasters, one, find new guests and two, reach out to them and really sell the opportunity of guesting on their show? Yeah, I would say if you are a podcaster, then most likely you're listening to other podcasts. And by listening to other podcasts, you'll see the types of guests that will be on their show. And if you really resonated with the message of a guest, reach out to them and say, hey, I have a show and this is what I'm working on. I think you would be a great fit. Um, So that's one way by just listening to the podcast that you enjoy and love and the guests that you resonated with. But for me, it was really scary because I had a blog, you know, but again, I, I didn't really know would people be invested in a new show that they never heard about, you know, like I was new to podcasting. So what I did is I really tapped into my personal network. So because I've been in the travel sphere for a while, I meet a lot of travel bloggers at conferences. So I would, you know, hit them up and just say, Hey, I have a show. And then because they know me, they, they know that I'm going to produce a really good, you know, 
good content. So that was really easy. And then from there, once you have a couple of people on your show, people will actually come and start pitching you. So I'm at the point now where people pitch me and they're like, hey, you know, I want to be in your show. And then I'm evaluating if it's a good fit. Yeah, yeah. I I love that you talked about people pitching you because I I'm kind of in the same boat where I'm starting to get a lot of people reaching out to me and it kind of gets a little overwhelming <laughs> and and like trying to determine that fit is is tough. So how do you have like a criteria that you go off of for um, evaluating if somebody's going to be a good fit for your show or do you just kind of go with go with your gut or are there any tips that you have on that? Yeah, so I would say I go with my gut because a lot of times similar to guest posting, like people want to go on your show so that they can spread their message and tap into your audience. But again, I have to think about, especially for my show, every episode is focused on one or two specific topics. And I have to find their story within the story that I want to tell, if that makes sense. So I have to find a story that's going to fit and align with my audience. And that's not necessarily always the case. So I would say, um, do a little bit of research, uh, see what kind of story that you can glean from their experience, and is it a good fit with your audience? And I'm also nece- not necessarily in a rush, like I'm taking a, a summer break right now, so it gives me a little bit of time to do research, get to know them a little bit more, so that that also helps too. So not feeling pressured to have everybody and anybody on my show just because I need to fill the content gap. Right. Yep. Great advice. Kind of on that same note, you have a pretty impressive list of publications that you've been mentioned in, from Vice to Forbes to the New York Post. So what advice do you have for those listening out there on getting your name out there and in the press? Absolutely. So I would say for me, I was very intentional for a period of time that I wanted to get on higher publications radars. So what I did is that I set, let's say three months and I would get Harrow, help a reporter out. They send you daily email notifications. And these are publications that are looking for maybe a blurb, a paragraph or interview. So I would spend three months and in the three months, I would literally scroll through all the opportunities and see which ones that I have a good fit for and I'm a good fit for. And because these are time consuming, I'm very, very intentional. Can I, can I provide a blurb or content that is going to be exceptionally accepted? If it's just a regular, you know, if it's, if it's not going to be exceptional, then you might not get featured on there. So I would say, Once you find all the opportunities, really sit down and think about, okay, how can I provide the most valuable content and actually get featured in this publication? And it might be less publication that you're applying for, but it's providing more quality content. And I've just been able to do that and stack that over time. Mm-hmm. Love that. So you're going for more of like the, the niche topics, if you will, than a more general general tip or general piece typically exactly exactly because i want to really like get the gig so i'm making sure that i'm spending a lot of time and the thing about a lot of times about health reporter out is that it's a really short turnaround time so sometimes they post the day it's due at five at the end of the day and you're like whoa so i really want to be intentional that i'm able to provide the best quality content in that time frame and that i'm more likely to get it than if i'm just you know being super general i might be wasting my time and not getting on the right publications yeah yeah that's awesome 
Okay, so can we talk a little bit about WOC Podcasters? Can you tell me what that is? And well, I know what that is, but can you tell the folks listening (laughs) what that is and how it got started? Absolutely. Okay, so WOC Podcasters stands for Women of Color Podcasters. And it really started, I would say, a little bit over a year ago. Spotify had a Sound of Bootcamp, which is actually out right now. So it's the second iteration is out right now. So you could actually apply for that right now. But a year ago, uh, Spotify had us on a bootcamp and they were looking for newbie women of color podcasters because women of color host less than 20% of podcasts right now. And their initiative was to promote, promote more women of color and more women of color voices. So I applied and honestly, I thought that I secured this opportunity in the bag. I said, okay, I'm going to be the one I'm going to win. I worked hard on my application and then May 1st came around and that was the day that they were going to publicize and let everyone know. And I really was convinced that I was going to win. And I woke up super early, May 1st, 2018, hopped on Twitter, looking for some kind of like resemblance of Danielle winning. (laughs) And, um, (laughs) and, you know, hours passed by and I just, found a random hashtag, which is like sound up bootcamp. Uh-huh. And I was just kind of following all these women who were again, frantically looking to see if they won. Because again, there were not that many, uh, I would say applications for women of color, um, especially for new ideas at the time. So I thought this was secured. And while I was on Twitter for hours and waiting and waiting for Spotify to release, uh, release the notification, I met hundreds hundreds of women who were thinking about starting a podcast. And at first I said, you know what, let me just organize this into a Twitter list because we're all on Twitter. Let me organize it. And I realized that Twitter maybe not, might not be the best place for us to keep in touch. So I remember I created a Facebook group really frantically. I said, I'm just going to create a Facebook group. And then when I created the Facebook group, I kind of like had a moment where I called my mom and I started to cry. And I was like, mom, I think this is going to be a huge thing. Like I was looking out in the cliff and I just felt like this monument, it was a monumentous moment for me, but I didn't know where it was going to go. So I created the group, told everyone about it. And I mean, within days we had hundreds, hundreds and hundreds of women. And of course, Spotify did not notify us in a timely manner. I think it took two weeks for them to notify us. And we found out that there were 18,000 women of color. Gosh. 18. I was like, whoa, okay, Danielle, maybe you, you weren't the only one who was thinking about starting a podcast. So for me, 18,000 is, is a number that I'm always like looking at to be like, I want to capture that original 18,000. Right now we have over 1,500 women of color podcasters in the group and they're representing over 37 countries worldwide. So that's so ex- so exciting. Exciting. That's amazing. So exciting. And it's really a place for connecting, for learning. If you have a question, um, this is a great place to go. We also do our best to hold events. So either we invite someone to come in and talk, or we have community-led events where someone who within the community is an expert, they can share their expertise with us. So it's really all about community and network building. And I think to come full circle, the funny thing is when I applied for the Sound Up Bootcamp opportunity, the last question on the application was, what would you like to see in the future in terms of being a woman of color? And 
no lie, I had said, I would love to create a space for women of color podcasters. And I did that. <laughs> like, I, di- I didn't even know I was going to do it, but I did that. So it's, 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 it means a lot to me. And every day we get, we get more and more people who are interested. And I think a lot of people get a lot of value from the group and the community and the openness. So yeah, and I actually credit the group for helping me start my own show because I've been wanting to podcast for two years. But again, I didn't see a lot of people who looked like me. I was overwhelmed by analyst paralysis. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I just, I just was overwhelmed by all the options. But when I met all the women in the group, they were like, Danielle, you're heading this group. We want to hear your show. And that really sparked me to start my own show. And yeah, the rest is history now. So wait, I, you didn't even start your show until after the group was made? No, I didn't. Oh my I didn't gosh, I didn't realize that. Yeah, I, so the group was made May 1st and I started my show, like really working on my show in August. Oh my gosh, that's awesome. Yes, and it was only after a meetup. I had a meetup in the city and everyone was like, hey, let me hear about your show. And I was like, I don't really have one. So, <laughs> so yeah, it, it took a while, but yeah, it took a while to, to start, but definitely yeah. WC helped me a lot. That's amazing. Yeah. And and I'm always seeing like just as a, a viewer or, you know, a member of the group, I'm always seeing those like growth and success stories of people starting out with, hey, I have this idea for this podcast. And then like next thing you know, they ha- they're launching their first episode. So that's so cool that you're one of those stories too. I didn't, I guess I didn't realize that. <laughs> yes. And also another great thing about the group is that because we have days where we share our new episodes, that's really where I get to connect and hear other people's podcasts because you might not find it on your podcast player, but having it, you know, in your face in a group, it really helps to be introduced to new shows and new concepts. So I really love that as well. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great point. And I know that's something that I struggle with and a lot of people looking to podcast struggle with is, you know, I'm used to the YouTube world. Like I've been doing YouTube for so long and YouTube is a search engine. Podcasting is not really like that. Um, So it is really hard to discover new shows. And I always recommend people join Facebook groups for that reason, because exactly what you just said, you know, I'm always finding new, new shows to listen to on those sharing days. So I love those days. (laughs) Those are like my favorite, my favorite days to scroll for new, new shows to listen to. So I love that Facebook groups are huge. For sure. For sure. And for me, how I, another way I discover new podcasts is really by listening to podcasts. Mm. So if there is a podcaster on another show and they're being interviewed, I'm like, Oh, let me just check out this show. So that's another way that I've discovered podcasts, but definitely Facebook groups are a great resource for getting your name out there and um, growing your show and audience. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you touched on this a little bit uh, in regards to just representation and of course, community support, but For the folks out there who maybe don't understand or don't know why a group specifically for women of color needs to exist, what would you say to those people? Yeah, I would say that it's it's really hard because when you're looking at the mainstream media or you're looking at the top 100 categories in, let's say, Apple Podcasts, like there are very, very few women of color who are making these top lists. So you would think that, okay, there's no one else like me who's doing what I want to do or what I'm doing right now. And that's 
the furthest from the truth. Like I said, I was really shocked that there were 18,000 aspiring newbie podcasters who had ideas to start a show in 2018 in just one application that wasn't even promoted. It was like underground blogs and it wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't like super mainstream to hear about this opportunity. Yeah. So I think representation matters because unfortunately we're not being represented on the top lists. And if you're just looking at top lists superficially, then you're not going to hear the stories from other people in other ethnic groups. And you're gonna be missing missing out so, so, so much. And another thing that you know is really important to note is that Women of color, they really share a variety of, they talk about so many different topics. It's not mm -hmm. just what you would think stereotypically a woman of color would talk about. There's so many deep topics, so many interesting topics. So I, I really, really encourage representation and just being able to share our voices. And the great thing about podcasting, like honestly, I podcast in my closet. <laughs> and <laughs> that sound quality is really good in there, you know, mm -hmm. and I podcast in my closet and it gets so lonely. Like it's so lonely when you're sitting there hours editing your content and you may feel like, okay, it's just me who feels this way. And it's not. So finding a community to help you really push your show, to give you the encouragement and people who feel your pain and your feel your challenges, but also who can help you like celebrate you is like a really, really rewarding, rewarding thing. So I, I highly recommend finding a community that resonates with you and that will help you to push, push you forward for sure. That's great. Love it. And, um, you talked about, you know, more than just that, more than just the networking, it's, it's also about education. It's about mentorship and collaboration. Uh, it, that the group, like I said, it's been extremely valuable to me and my show over the past year in terms of that stuff, just the education and the trainings that you do and all that. But how do you keep something that big going while still maintaining all of the other things that you have going on in your life? Wow. Um, <laughs> I don't really know. <laughs> okay. So this is the thing. I feel like for me, although I'm very active within the community, it's really community led. So I'm really letting the community come in and ask questions and answer each other's questions. And I'm here to cheerlead, provide guidance, help set things up and, and really make sure that the community is, is being run smoothly per the guidelines. But for me, I'm not taking the burden of having to produce every piece of content for the community. And what I've done is that from having a community on Facebook, I decided and I realized that it's really important to have a space outside of Facebook, to have our own house, quote unquote house. So we created a website and a lot of my energy now is focused on sourcing content for our blog and making sure that we have more programs run. And we, we really want to work on, you know, offering scholarships and things like that. So a lot of the things that I'm doing right now is kind of off of the Facebook group because the community has really come together and they're not relying on, you know, admin to help create prompts and to really spark conversation. So it's, it's not, it's not very burdensome at all, which is a wonderful thing. And it happened, it was very intentional in the beginning. Like I knew I wanted a Facebook group that, was very intentional where the community was forming it. But once it, it started happening, it happened organic. So 
I think being intentional on what kind of group you want to run helps for sure so that you don't feel overwhelmed and burdened. Yeah, yeah. And that's what that's what great leaders and smart leaders do is, you know, they eventually have have others who can kind of take the reins of things and be a little bit less hands-on because you'll burn out that way if yes, you're yes. doing everything all the time. Yes, 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 for sure. Yeah. And then it also, you know, helps elevate the members too and, and get members great exposure and um, great opportunities too. So it's not, it's truly, it truly does feel like a community to me in there. And I feel like in other groups that I'm in, it doesn't feel that way. I feel like it's kind of like one person's show. I don't feel like that at all with your group. So I love that. Thank you. That means a yeah. lot to me. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. That's important. And and you talked about the website. So tell us a little bit about that. And I know that the website just kind of launched pretty recently. So how's that going and what's next for it? Yes. So the website launched May 1st for our one year anniversary. We made it a big deal. Um, it was really exciting because there are a lot of, there's a lot of information that is being shared within the Facebook group. I mean, every day there are so many threads and it's really difficult as you expand your Facebook group to capture all those ideas. So I knew for my one year anniversary that I wanted to have a platform where we can share more tactfully some of the big picture um, ideas or nuggets that's being shared in the group. And also to share with the world that women of color have podcasts, but they also have profound ideas that written ideas that they can share with the world. So a really big initiative that we have is having guest posts by women of color podcasters, because I mean, there's, I've been reading some of these articles that were produced by the community and it's really like, there's so many gems. And a lot of times these writers might not have access to plat the bigger platforms so being able to share their ideas and build their profile and ultimately build their businesses because what we want is for exposure and for us to continue to propel our businesses so that is a really big thing for me and also because i have a blogging background having a blog on the website is like the, the best thing for me <laughs> it's just yeah. so it's so easy to have that and um, yeah, so moving forward, just I really want WC Podcasters website to be a place where people go to for information. Like it's just going to roll off their tongue and they know every other week that they're going to have new content there. So just being like a home staple, I think, is really important and the vision that I see moving forward for the community. Yeah. Awesome. I'm excited. I'm excited to see what's next. And you talked about your uh, your writing background and blogging background. So you also, in addition to these other amazing things that you're doing, you do some freelance writing too. So yes. yeah. how'd that get started and how long have you been doing that? All right. So I've been doing freelance writing, I would say for, I would say like three, three years. I've been blogging for four years total, but it, it really made sense because when you're blogging, you are writing. So as a freelance writer, you have all the tools in your toolbox to go ahead and package your services to a client. Um, and also for me, I also see my website as a, it's really my portfolio. It's, it's just a compilation of, of all of my ideas and thoughts and, and that really solidifies my expertise. So when I am, let's say pitching a publication, I have my blog to show as well as the other places that, you know, all the other publications, but, but my blog is my biggest body of work and it's so much easier to get clients from having a blog. Yeah. Yeah. And, and getting just the practice in too, right. Of 
writing consistently, um, having a blog, I think is, I would guess is a great way to do that and get that. Exactly. Exactly. And also I, I think there's a little bit of manifestation that's going on as well, because for me, blogging and freelance writing is a very lucrative side hustle. So I, like I mentioned before, I have a full-time job, but there are things that I, I want to be able to afford even more. You know, I want to pay off my mortgage. I want to do some really big things. And I found that freelance writing and blogging has been a great way to have more income. So really, really good side hustle. And um, I'm really enjoying it. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, you're great at it. You're, you're a great writer. So thank um, you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm a slow writer. I'm a slow, but again, like it's interesting because when I was growing up, I was creative. Like I was a dancer. I was, you know, a little bit of drawing, but not a writer. So I was more numbers focused. Oh, wow. And my mom comes back to me now and she's like, wow, you know, I never saw you as a writer. I was like, girl, me too. I have no idea. But again, it's the practice. Like you might not be good at it in the beginning, but just keep on practicing. And I learn all the time. And your clients will also share with you things that will help you to become a better writer, help you to, you know, be able to find their voice faster. So yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's just about being open to it. I think, I think that scares us off sometimes, especially for the creatives out there. Like I'm definitely a stereotypical creator or creative. Um, and feedback can be tough sometimes, but nine times out of 10, it makes you better at what you do. So exactly. Exactly. Awesome. Cool. Well, yeah, I'm, I am really excited for what's next for WOC podcasters and the thought card and you and your freelance side gig too. So yeah, I appreciate you coming on today and sharing some of these gems with us. Uh, for everyone out there listening who is not already connected with you, can you let them know where they can find you online? Absolutely. So you can check out my website, thoughtcard.com for the blog. And for the podcast, I'm the Thought Card Podcast on pretty much all the podcasting platforms, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher. And if you are interested in podcasting, I would recommend coming and joining us in our Facebook group, WOC Podcasters. And we have a website called WOCpodcasters.co. And if you have any questions about travel, money, budgeting, or anything we talked about, you could email me directly at thethoughtcard at gmail.com. Awesome. That is so exciting. And of course, I will leave those links in the show notes as well. And yeah, thanks again, Danielle. This was really great. I really enjoyed Thank having you. you on. Thank you so much for having me. And I will be listening to more episodes for sure. Yes. Awesome. Thank you. And that's it for this episode of the Freelance Friday podcast. I hope you enjoyed. If you did, make sure to let me know. Rating this podcast is a huge help. And you can also tweet me at a journey east with comments, questions, or suggestions for future episodes. Lastly, make sure to join my private Facebook group, Money Making Micro Influencer, if you're interested in elevating your influence and taking charge of your personal brand. There are so many like-minded, bright individuals in there, and it's a place I love to offer up free advice and a little bit of extra fun into. You can find it by searching Facebook for Money Making Micro Influencer. It'll also be linked in the show notes. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time. Thank you.